What is up? And welcome back to Beyond the Arc with Brandon Silvers. As always, I am your host, Brandon Silvers. We have to talk about the eventful week that JJ Reddick had, but first, hope you had a great week yourselves. Thank you for checking out my blog. The show notes did a ridiculously detailed breakdown of one of my favorite reality TV show scenes on there. So check that out. Let me know what you think. Link to the blog, the show notes, are in the show notes down below. All right, let's get into it. If you would have told me when he was at Duke that J.J. Reddick would end up being one of the more popular sports media personalities, I would have laughed in your face. But here we are. He's one of the best in the industry at interviewing NBA players on his Old Man in the Three podcast. And he was also just named to ESPN and ABC's lead NBA broadcast team. You can also find him on First Take, which is where this story starts. JJ was named to that lead broadcast team for the NBA after Doc Rivers dirty macked his way into the Bucks head coaching job. JJ, who played for Doc with the Clippers, offered a pretty fair critique about Doc, saying that he doesn't take accountability for his team's failures. It absolutely seems true to me. Doc seems like a guy who's never seen a bus he wasn't ready to throw someone under, and I have no idea how he keeps getting these jobs. The amount of goodwill in that one ring those Celtics won is unprecedented. JJ's take blew up on the internet as things do, helped in part by Doc's son Austin and Patrick Beverly both sticking up for Doc. The next day, JJ's back on first take talking with Stephen A about whether or not Kevin Durant has been given the credit he deserves, and JJ goes off talking about how it's not the players' jobs to educate people about basketball, it's his job, Stephen A's job, the media's job to do that. He goes on to question whether or not fans actually want to be educated in the first place because a video he posted about the Pelicans using Zion as a primary ball handler got 54,000 views, but his comments about Doc Rivers got millions of engagements so basically fans want drama and hot takes instead of analysis even though fans say they want the opposite let's start with his first point i agree with jj that it's not the players jobs to educate fans about basketball their job is to play basketball and market the game through their play primarily but also through media appearances fan interactions etc in a way that makes the product appealing if you think their job is strictly to play basketball, let's think for a second about how they're paid revenue generated from basketball-related activities. TV deals, jersey sales, ticket sales, money that comes from having fans, having an audience. Without fans, none of that money exists. Trust me, I go shoot around all the time, nobody comes to watch me, and I don't get paid for it as a result. With that in mind, how are the players doing at that job? Are they attracting an audience that would be more interested in analysis than hot takes? How are they doing in terms of attracting new fans, but also holding on the fans they already have? NFL season just wrapped up, so the NBA should slide into that number one slot in the sports landscape. To kick that off, they had All-Star Weekend the week after the Super Bowl, the NBA event with the sole purpose of being all about the fans, both casual and diehard. They've got a bunch of activities to watch or attend. Legends are there, celebrities. You've got the Celebrity All-Star Game, the Rising Stars Game to showcase the stars of tomorrow, the competitions to showcase these otherworldly skills with the Skills Challenge, the three-point contest, and the dunk contest. And you top it all off with the All-Star Game where the best of the best compete in what should be 
the world's greatest pickup game. This should be a marquee event where the league can say, you might have forgotten about us during football season, but we're here, we're incredible, so lock in the rest of the way. So did the players do their job All-Star Weekend? No, it was a disaster from start to finish. The celebrity game was meh. The bar is on the floor for that one. It used to be my favorite event, but now there are no real celebrities, so they try to distract you with other gimmicks like an LED court, a convoluted scoring system, and one of my least favorite things in sports, the in-game interview. Please, if you're listening to this, knock that shit off. Let the players play and the coaches coach. The conversations are awful when y'all do this. Also, stop showing football players play basketball. This has nothing to do with this episode, but these muscle-bound freaks are terrible, all stiff and shooting the ball hard as shit. No more. The Rising Stars Challenge has a confusing format, but the guys compete, especially the G-Leaguers. If you missed this, then you missed all of the competition of the weekend. The only good thing I can say about the skills challenge is at least the Nassus wasn't in it this year. Scotty Barnes has taken over his place on the throne as the sorriest participant. Imagine paying money to be there and see him unguarded dribbling the ball off his foot out of bounds or heaving the ball backward from half court. Or Anthony Edwards for some reason deciding to shoot threes left-handed only to repeatedly hit the side of the backboard. The Pacers team won it in front of their home crowd by virtue of being the only team that gave a damn. Also, this is supposed to be a basketball skills challenge, but the passing portion showed off basketball passes in the same way the Dr. Pepper challenge showcases football passes. The three-point contest was all right because that's what everybody does now, and the Steph and Sabrina showdown was great if you muted the commentary. But then there was the dunk contest. There was a time when this was the event on All-Star Saturday. I mean, that's why it's the last event of the night. You'd have a mixture of superstars and role players competing, and nobody was there to mess around, especially the superstars, because their reps were on the line. But once LeBron ducked it, it was over. We've had stars take part here and there, but when your biggest star skips it, everyone else feels like it's okay to do the same. So the biggest name we had this year was Jalen Brown. Jalen brought out the shortest adult in the arena, streamer Kai Sinet, and made him sit down to be even shorter then he jumped over him his first attempt missed and he looked like jazz when uncle phil threw him out the house he was booed he somehow managed to make the finals where he lost to defending champ mac mcclung who isn't even in the nba he's a g-leaguer but it doesn't really matter because mac did do the best dunk of the night despite what the judges said but it was an absolutely underwhelming experience for everyone involved you still had the main event left though, the All-Star Game, and a great performance there could erase all the LED stained embarrassments from the weekend entirely. Now, in case you forgot, last year's All-Star Game was awful. I pointed this out in a way that had me spending an entire day arguing with TikTokers until I got a grip. Adam Silver agreed with me and he went out of his way to make this year's game more competitive. Leading up to this year's game, we heard stories about how Adam flew out to meet with players like Officer Chris Paul to see what needed to be done to get the players to play harder and he tried to implement some of their suggestions. Now, off the rip, if you're begging like that, you got a problem. These guys play basketball. I understand it's a job to them, but they're all too eager to post highlights from pickup runs in the summer, so they do know how to play basketball outside of official games. 
and no reasonable person is asking for game seven intensity, not even summer pickup run intensity. Just give us what previous generations have, some semblance of basketball for three quarters, then the greatest pickup game in the world for the fourth quarter only. That's been the formula for generations. Players have cared about this historically. They weren't too cool for it. Michael Jordan kept Isaiah off the dream team because Isaiah froze him out in an all-star game like a decade earlier. The fact they no longer care to the point where Adam has to figure out how to get them to play is a problem. But he did, and all these stories came out about how this year's game was going to be better. And somehow it was even worse. Do you know how much money I would have paid for Adam Silver's unfiltered thoughts as he's watching Luka throw up a 75-footer with 35 seconds left in the first half? That poor, poor man. A perfect ending to a shitty first half, and I went to sleep because I'm not going to lose sleep over that game. The next morning, I caught the video of Adam congratulating the East on their victory and record 211 points. He sounded disgusted, and he should have been. They embarrassed themselves, and they embarrassed him. Apparently, the embarrassment continued post-game when players talked to reporters who wanted to know what in the hell happened out there. Jalen Brunson talked about how proud he was of helping his team break the scoring record. Other players were like, yeah, you know, we noticed it wasn't competitive, but what could we do? Then Anthony Edwards came out and said it was a break for him and he had no interest in competing. This is a young star in the league talking like that. The general vibe from the players was that they didn't care. They didn't care what the weekend meant to fans. They didn't care they were showcasing parts of the game that people have been complaining about all season. They didn't care how ridiculous they looked. They didn't care about the all-star game or the game of basketball itself, at least not enough to treat it with the respect it deserves. So again, I ask you, did they do their jobs as ambassadors of the game? What kind of fans do they expect to attract with that bullshit? Were they counting on the LED courts to burn out our retinas so we couldn't see how bad it was? All fans wanted to see was good basketball. They could have done away with all the bells and whistles, the performances, the special all-star uniforms, and just started everything at the advertised time and played good basketball, and most of us would have been satisfied. So no, JJ, the players did not do their jobs in that respect. Moving on to the rest of his comments, what do fans really want content-wise? There are all kinds of NBA fans, from the casual fan who doesn't necessarily seek games out, but will watch it if it's on, to the freaks who are watching Wizards and Pistons in January because they have to get their fix in. There's no set level of interest required to be a fan. Also, the amount of people who want in-depth analysis on anything is going to be lower than the amount of people who don't because we have a finite amount of attention to give to everything in our lives. So I can't be mad at the person who doesn't want breakdown after breakdown of drop coverages or slip screens or whatever. Also, listen to how I just sounded. Basketball is a fairly easy sport to understand, but it uses a constantly changing terminology to describe even the simplest of movements. We haven't made it easy to make that jump from casual to diehard based on that alone. The amount of time and effort it takes to get to that level of knowledge isn't worth it to most people because you can enjoy the game without it, so why bother? It's hard. And if it's hard to find fans who are interested in doing it, then it's also going to be hard to find members of the media who are interested in doing it well, especially well enough to explain it to fans. 
To be able to talk about it in an entertaining way, you have to learn it even better than the diehard fan so you know how to communicate it properly. Every time I turn around, Stephen A is being flown somewhere to talk about something new. The man is exhausted. You think he wants to learn this shit so he can teach it? There are more fans who can understand casual content and more media members who are able to deliver it. Everything is tailored to the casual fan and casual viewer because you need those numbers to sustain whatever you're doing at least based on what they're measuring. JJ used the number of clicks his Zion analysis got versus the amount of engagement his doc comments got to illustrate his point that NBA fans don't really wanna be educated. What does a click tell us though? Does it measure enjoyment, some sort of fulfillment I got from reading or watching? Who decided that the click was the best way to determine the value of content? Was it the fans themselves or did media companies decide to use it because it's the simplest metric they could use for the purpose of selling ads and making money and they geared their content towards getting clicks for that very reason let's look at how they've geared the content they put out to get these clicks they cherish so much we even have a term for it clickbait something you see that entices you to click on it the quickest way to push that button is say something outrageous and make people mad we are hardwired to have a negativity bias negative things grab our attention the most because placing extra weight on the negative allows us to explore life while managing to stay out of harm's way if you've ever experienced anxiety you know this all too well i used to have panic attacks all the time as a child precisely zero of them were caused by the thought of having too awesome of a time. I wasn't like, ah, this is gonna be so awesome. Boom, panic attack. Instead, it was something like, man, what if I trip in front of these people and embarrass myself, then I'm shunned from society, but don't have the survival skills necessary to deal with that, and I end up dying a slow and painful death. I'd think of the most negative outcome possible, no matter how outrageous, and become entirely too focused on it. That fear was useful when you have to stay away from saber-toothed tigers or whatever, but we still have it. Negative things get our attention. Anger works in a similar way. It fires up that same part of our brain, the amygdala, that sends off warning signals when we encounter some kind of a threat. Those signals hit us way before the part of our brain responsible for thoughts and judgment can process what's happening. Which again makes sense. If I encounter an actual threat, I need to be compelled to take action. I don't need to be standing there contemplating whether or not the saber-toothed tiger has good intentions or what his home life is like. I need to run. The action we feel compelled to take when we see a headline that's negative or pisses us off is to click. Media companies know that. That's why they tailor their content around it. We've got this basic stupid metric we can use to make more money and a surefire way to run the numbers up on that metric because it activates a part of our brain that's been around forever. It's a poor measure of what people really want because you're overriding the part of the brain that allows us to choose. You can't call yourself the world's greatest salesperson if you're selling drugs to an addict. And by media companies valuing their precious clicks so much and building their content strategy around it, they've caused fans to become worse. We don't just tune into these shows and read these headlines, we mirror what we see. Check out the discourse on NBA Twitter. Can you tell the difference between what's being said there and what's on TV? Plus, as we've consumed more and more of this, our baseline for negativity and anger has gotten higher and higher, so the headlines and the topics have to be more and more outlandish, which means we consume 
more ridiculous things and spit out even more ridiculousness. Now, sports and debate have gone hand in hand forever, but ESPN discovered the power of really getting people riled up and has been pushing that button ever since. Pardon the interruption and around the horn were the forums for debate early on, but they were more lighthearted and more fun. It's not until Skip Bayless and First Take came along that they realized, oh wait, we really need to be trying to piss people off and they haven't stopped. Which is why it's wild to me that JJ sat up on First Take, the very show that started this, the show that now all these other shows and networks try to emulate and claimed it was the fans fault that we don't get smarter content. He's right, it is the media's job to educate fans, but what he doesn't get is that fans allegedly not wanting smarter content is a reflection of the media's failure to do so, not the fans themselves. He's an active participant in all the things that have made the ecosystem the way it is, even though he doesn't have to be. He could use any sort of metric he wanted to measure the value of his content. He could ignore metrics altogether and put out content he loves and he's great at, like the analysis and player interviews. He could continue to platform smart basketball people like Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. from the Dunker Spot. I'm pretty sure he has the money and audience to do so, yet there he is on the show that caused it all. Why? Because he's just as much a slave to the click as the rest of us. He's just on the other side of the equation. He wants to get clicks just as fast as we want to give them. It's hard to blame him, I get it, but he can't bring himself to admit it. So what he does instead is try to position himself as the anti-hot take guy. He's got a newsletter called A Farewell to Takes. He derailed a first take segment because he refused to debate a hypothetical. He refused to debate a hypothetical on a show built on debating hypotheticals. Shannon Sharp got frustrated enough to ask him the question everyone had to be thinking, JJ, do you know how this show works? He would have you believe that he's the anti-hot take artist. He's above it all. He's better than the casual fan, better for the game than Stephen A and Shannon, except this dude has a history of giving hot takes. Whether it's saying Bob Cousy played against plumbers and firemen or tweeting that Derek White is an all-star, he loves hot takes as much as anybody. Those are things you only say to get people riled up. He could have said, Bob Cousy played an era where the level of competition was lower, or Derek White is an excellent role player who's having a great season, but instead he chose extreme language to elicit a reaction. I don't have an issue with hot takes so long as they're genuine, and we're all hypocrites. That doesn't disqualify JJ's opinion on this stuff. My problem with JJ specifically is that he does what he does to pander to a certain type of NBA fan that's worse than the casual fan. He panders to the fan whose primary reason for fandom is to use it as a tool to look down on other fans. They're self-important, they're smug, they're arrogant. They look at JJ, they see themselves, and they feel justified in how they act and feel. They need to feel superior in their fandom. They're not satisfied simply enjoying and appreciating the game. They need to let you know the things you enjoy about the game are stupid and you're stupid too. These fans are the absolute worst because their enjoyment of the game has less to do with basketball itself than even the most casual fans. These, well actually motherfuckers, are the people who JJ empowers and that is his biggest crime. The main job of every NBA stakeholder, players, coaches, medias, fans alike is to respect 
the game. Leave it in a better place than we found it. We could all do a much better job at that, no doubt. I'm sure JJ feels the same way. All I'm saying is the next time he's trying to find someone to blame for why we are all dropping the ball or dribbling it off our foot out of bounds, he should finish making sure his hair is perfectly coiffed, then lower his gaze two to four inches and start there. That'll do it for this week's episode. Appreciate you liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. Don't forget to check out my blog, the show notes in the show notes below. Hope you have a great week and I will catch you later.